Welcome to Bear Books for the love of indie. We're here to highlight and amplify self-published authors. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. And it is an absolute joy to be back and starting off the new season with a review and interview of a spectacular indie author. April and I have just finished reading The Christmas Catch, a lesbian rom-com written by Claire Lydon. And we want to share our first thoughts and opinions with you. Yeah, we had to do a Christmas one, didn't we, considering it was December. We did. Why not? It's festive. Yeah, of course it is. The book's quite festive as well, actually. I found it amusing, frustrating (laughs) and heartwarming, but in equal quantities. I think that's fair comment. And I will say I have read a lot of books on for this podcast that tail off and dwindle towards the end like they needed to use up the word count. And I am absolutely thrilled that this story got better. It did. Towards the end. And it had a right chocolate box ending. Yeah, it did. When I first read the first chapter, I thought, Cinnamon Buns, she's likening a woman to Cinnamon Buns. What the hell? But the more you got to know the character of Morgan, so so there's there's two main characters, there's Morgan and there's Ali. Yeah. The more you got to know the character Morgan, the more you got inside her head and realised why she actually thought this person she was talking to with a name like Cinnamon reminded her of Cinnamon Buns when you got inside Morgan's head. And, and the book allowed you to do that as well. Yeah. I read it in two sittings. I gave up an hour to tell you for this book. What does that tell you? There you go. What was your best bit? Oh, I really liked the kiss on the Ferris wheel. So romantic. And stupid and funny, made me giggle. I don't know how romance makes you giggle, but it did. How good is that? That is good, that. I'll tell you what I liked was the tandem cycle. I just (laughs) thought that was hilarious. (laughs) I have got to say that in terms of the the road trip aspect of of the book, I found it, well, it was just disastrous. Not from the book point of view, but for Morgan and Ali. It was just a complete disaster. And who the hell would want to go cycling on a tandem in a snowstorm? I mean, I'm a cyclist, but, you know, no. Did it not smack of trains, planes and automobiles or whatever it's called? Oh, it did. Yes, it did a bit. What is it? Planes, trains and automobiles. That's what it is. Yeah. How can two people have so many disasters trying to get from one place to another and then just getting dumped at a service station. That was... I mean, this woman had no... Imogen, that was her. Yeah, Imogen Claus. <laughs> she got no mercy whatsoever. She just went, oh, look, my girlfriend wants me back. Ta-ra, I'll leave you there. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. It was very funny. She has got a funny bone as Claire Lydon, hasn't she? She has. It, is, it was good. I also thought it was quite thought-provoking. I mean, obviously, we're going to have a conversation with Claire yeah. in about two or three minutes, I believe. Yeah. And I've got some sort of comments and things that I want to say to her, but the characters, I just wanted to bang their heads together. Yeah, I have to say, uh, because I read this on a Kindle, uh, 86% of the way through, (laughs) I thought Ali was an utter cow. (laughs) Yes, she was. Because how can you switch from everything to nothing just like that and then leave? Poor Morgan. I know. I had to laugh, though, at the comments the parents made the day after. (laughs) <laughs> we heard you in the living room. I'd have been mortified. Yeah, but which bit? Oh, I think we can guess which the bit. all or nothing. 
Maybe all of it. God, how embarrassing on all counts. But it was it was really good. It is a it is one I would recommend. I have got to say that I've read a few LGBT books in the past. Yeah. And I've put them down after I've got halfway through them because they're just absolute utter drivel. What I'm hoping is that the books that Claire's written, she's written quite a few. Yeah. Are going to get me back into reading that kind of thing and hopefully I'm going to find some authors that actually know what they're writing about. Yes, I have to say that I am quite happy to have been proved wrong in my reluctance to read lesbian fiction. Anyway, we've got Claire here now, so let's... uh, See what Claire's got to say, shall we? Yes. We have the pleasure of talking to the author of The Christmas Catch, one among many titles written by today's prolific lesbian romance author. Titles such as Before I Say I Do, The Long Weekend and This London Love, to name just a few. Today, we bring you an interview with Claire Lydon. Welcome, Claire. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. We'd love to talk about The Christmas Catch now we've read it, but really we want to learn a little bit more about you as well, Claire, if possible. Yeah, so everyone's always interested in the writing process. We get asked about it constantly. So how does that work for you? Do you have a routine? Um, No, is the short answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd love to. I'd love to have a routine where I get up every day and, you know, do three hours writing and then um, come home for lunch and then do another three hours in the afternoon. But no, I'm not that person. And I I tried to be that person for a very, very long time. Yeah. um, You know, a few years. But then I just realised that this process works for me. You know, I've written a fair number of books, so something's going right. Um, So I just... I kind of go with the flow. I mean, I am very disciplined. I will say that I'm I'm quite a control freak. So running my own publishing company, well, I just publish myself, but it suits me. Um, I'm I, so I'm very I'm productive. I do the work, but working for yourself, it takes a little while to get into the routine. You know, like the first year when I um, left my job and, and started writing, uh, just you know, just me and my business. Uh, I was very carefree I think I went on holiday like every couple of months you know like just to see friends all around Europe and right there I thought I was I was literally living the dream um but then I realized that to get you know a good amount of words out and to get good books a number of books out I'm, I'm going to need to be a bit more serious about it so then I did become more serious but when I do start write um when I'm first drafting I try and write every day just to keep in the flow of the words it doesn't always work, but, you know, maybe one one day or two days off a week. But um, I do try to write every single day. I don't write every single day generally, but when I'm first drafting, I do. Yeah. And I, as as for plotting out the stories, again, that, that changes all the time as well. I didn't plot out my first few. Then I've started plotting out um, my stories since about book five. Uh, but I, I tend to plot them and then change the plot about twice over the course of writing. So it's constantly being replotted. Uh, but I do about um, about three drafts before it goes to my first reader. Then it goes to my editor, uh, and then I just make all the changes that those two give me. And then it goes to my ARC team, which is uh, my uh, advanced reader team, which is about a hundred people at the moment. So I've got a lot of people helping me out involved because you know, um, and like I said, it's not just me writing the books. I run Custom Books, which is the publishing company I use to publish my own books. So I've got, a, as well as running my public um, writing, I've got to run that as well. So I'd say writing takes up probably about 40% of my time and the rest is running the business. Wow, that is a lot. And that's a lot of art readers. 
Yeah. <laughs> well done, you. Yeah, I've just I've just upped it actually in the last for the Christmas catch. I think I was on about seventy, and I I wrote to them all and said, "Do you still want to be here?" And like about ninety percent of them said yes. I was quite surprised at that, but because you know naturally people um, have change yeah. in their lives and they don't want to read them. But yeah, so it's a, it's the most I've ever had. So excellent. So I'm assuming from that then, Claire, you get a, an awful lot of feedback. Do you and do you act on all of the feedback? Um, yeah, I mean, I get, I do get a lot of uh, emails from readers, and, and it's always, you know, um, lovely to hear from readers. Uh, when, when you say, do I act on feedback? What, what exactly do you mean? Well, in, so if if somebody was to sort of make some comments about about the plot or about the story or anything like that, what you know, would would you take that on board or from my art team? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I think I've got probably like about 10 to 15 early, early, early readers before it goes out to the big arc team. So they're the ones that I trust that that I ask to really tell me if there's anything majorly structurally wrong or or any plot, any plot point that doesn't make sense. Um, if if then I send it out to the 100 uh, strong arc team and if three or four people come back with the same thing, then I'll act on it. But if, if it's just one person with their view on something, then probably not. That's that's interesting. So what actually made you get into writing initially? Well, I, I've I've always written since I was a kid. I'm a I'm a cliche uh, novelist. Um and I've I was a journalist for about um ten years. So I worked in magazines, I worked on football magazines, design magazines. So I've always done writing as a job in some form. And then I was a music journalist uh for eight years online. And then I got made redundant and um, they gave me quite a lot of money to to see me off, which was nice of them, which is why I went and did, you know, all those holidays in that first year. Uh, but I decided, I, I thought, do I want to get another job or do I want to see if, if this writing thing could work? So I already had the book kind of two thirds written, my first book, London Calling, which is the first book in the London Romance series. And so I thought, you know, shall, shall I see? Because I've got this money, so I've got enough money to live on for probably like 18 months, two years. So let's give it a go. So that's what I did. Um, and I worked for, I I, probably, I did try to get traditionally published, um, but in 2013, not one traditional publisher wanted to know about a romance with two women as leads. It was crickets and not one agent wanted to know about it either. So I did try and get uh, published by the specialist presses in the US, but I got rejected. And uh, so then I met some people who'd, who'd done it themselves and really you know, like uh, indie publishing now is is quite common, but it wasn't quite as common back in 2013, uh, self-publishing. But for, for niches like uh, sapphic romance, lesbian romance, it was a lifeline because publishers weren't publishing the books. So any um, queer stuff or, you know, any niche audience, uh, if you weren't straight and white, they weren't really publishing it. So uh, self-publishing actually brought those markets to the fore. So I was part of that. And then it was great. Fantastic. And as I said, it appeals to my nature because I'm a control freak. So I love being involved in everything. Like I love deciding on the covers. I decide my editor, um, you know, but I've got control of it all. And I don't think I would have taken very well to uh, traditional publishing, really, because I never liked having a boss. So I like <laughs> being my own boss. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, and I, I published my first book. To my amazement, loads of people bought it that I didn't know. So that, that was that was lovely. Um, and then, yeah, I've been writing full time for six and a half years now, uh, and I've got 22 full length novels out. We wouldn't be here 
if you hadn't chosen to do that having this conversation would we because you just wouldn't have had your books out there no exactly. and that's a crying shame yeah I mean I think think Things have changed, you know, like hugely now. Uh, and there's a lot of um, mainstream publishers that are publishing sapphic uh, romance and queer romance of all flavours, but yeah. it wasn't a thing then. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So, and who knows if I would have been able to do it, you know, later down the line. We'll never know, but I'm glad I took the road. We are where we are. I'm glad for it. <laughs> we'll get on to the book a little bit then. I want to talk about your antagonist protagonist or not (laughs) you don't have an obvious antagonist in the Christmas catch in this story other than circumstance really and Ali herself who is a bit of a contradiction is that your style is that what you choose to do generally or is that this story alone I think I think yeah I do you know what I've never been asked this question so great question and I and I don't yeah, I, I, I did think I was thinking about it. Is is it my style? Yeah, probably it is. Um, and I think it's pretty commonplace in many romance books. You know, it's not a it's not a good versus bad. It's not a clear hero versus anti-hero in a lot of romances. They're sort of it's all about the things that come between the characters and, and uh, circumstantial stuff, but also just themselves. They're normally their their own worst enemy. So they're the antagonist as well as the protagonist, yeah, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, so in The Christmas Catch, um, my new Christmas uh, romance, the weather plays a huge part, um, as does failing transport. But the key things in the novel and, you know, like in any story, you just want things to go wrong. That's what has to happen at the beginning. So your characters are able to go on a journey, literally in The Christmas Catch, because <laughs> it is a road trip uh, from uh, Glasgow to Devon. But um, they they need to go on a journey to learn about themselves, to fix the things that are wrong and come out the other side stronger and better. And I think that does happen for Morgan and Ali, the two leads. But yeah, um, I think that the people, the things that are in their way are mainly the weather in themselves. There was points in the book where I just wanted to bang the heads together. <laughs> really did. Uh, and, and just say, you know, just grow up and look at what you're doing and where you're at. It's funny, isn't it? Because I, I think that's real life, though. I know that I've had friends and um, even I've, I've had experiences in my life where people have just said to me, why didn't you just do that? But sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees, can you? And you're too caught up in the moment. So, uh, yeah, but, you know... Wanting to bang their heads together is a good thing as a, as a author because it means you're invested. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious. Did you base those characters on anybody you know? Uh, no, but if you ask my family, they will tell you that every mum. I was just thinking, yeah, there is a mum in this one. Two mums, in fact. Every mum uh, in every story is based on my my mum, our mum. It never is, but I think that when people know you, they look for things that they can identify with in books and. They're normally wrong. <laughs> so, no, I, I never really base a character on a specific person because I think that could be really dangerous if somebody does spot it. I have had instances of, uh, which book was it? Uh, one Golden Summer. Um, there's a character in that one. It's, she's a secondary character called Ginger. And Ginger only drinks white wine, coffee and water. And that little bit of a character came from my friend Sharon, who only drinks white wine, coffee and water. And she tells everyone this. And I'm always fascinated, like, you know, because she's it's like a thing. It's her thing. And then when she read that book, she screenshotted that and said, I feel seen. So <laughs> it's like I do take bits of people. Like if you tell me something about you and I find that interesting, then I might include it. But I'll never, ever um, base a character on you. Um, and I think more likely they're 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 more part they're more all different parts of me 
as well. So like I think I'm in every character in every book I've ever written. So if you want to if you want to find out about me, I would say read my fiction. Thank you for that candid answer. <laughs> there are points in this story that I would have walked away from Ali. She did drive me nuts on occasion while I was reading this. I wanted to give her a good shake, like April says. It's like, oh, what are you doing? She took her own insecurities and her uncertainties, and I think she took them out on Morgan. So what made you want to screw with her head like that? <laughs> well, it's the nature of story, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think you've got to take a character's flaw and kind of amplify it and make it hurt them before eventually fixing them and making them see that they have to get on with their life and get over it. I, I assume you mean like, you know, Ali just not just writing them off completely. Like, for instance, I don't want to give too many plot points away. That's the problem. In the lounge at Morgan's parents. Mm. I mean, that was pretty full on. And then it was, it was like gone. That yeah. was brutal. It was brutal. It really was. And I, I <laughs> yes, she made me so angry. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that she didn't do was just throw the fiver on the nightstand. <laughs> yeah, you can see we were fully invested in these two. You can, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think that I always had it in my mind that she would go because you know she does want to be with her, but she can't. She can't see it in her head that it could work, and maybe there is some way they could make it work. So, but she doesn't want it to be the end. So, um, yeah, she does go around there and and kind of um, give her more hope, and then stamp on it as soon as it's uh, as soon as it's done. So, yeah, it, it, she's. I completely understand uh, why you wanted to give her a shake, but um, I think it makes for good drama in a book. And sort of talking about that, that, like I say, not trying to give away too many plot points, but there were some steamy moments in the story. So do your friends and family read these books and how do they react to what you've written? Yes, they do. I've got a big family. I'm one of eight children. Um, I've got four sisters and three brothers and all my sisters, I think just about, and my sister-in-law's, read all my books they're all they're all big readers and they all like romance so they all they read all my books they buy them all they're um you know when I first started out I got I've got like 20 20 odd nieces and nephews as well so I had all my family buy the buy my first book at the same time so I had a street team without knowing I had a street team the first time first book I ever launched but fantastic yeah <laughs> and and a lot of my mates as well so but um yeah they they do um but as my sister-in-law did once to say to me don't worry about it she said you know everyone has sex and everyone reads about sex so what you don't just get over it and and you know what I have because like I said I've written 22 books I used to worry about it a bit in the maybe my first couple but now you can't worry about stuff like that and I know as a as a romance reader that I like to read sex on the page in my books in sapphic romance and I like to write it into mine uh, and I think it's especially important in um, sapphic and lesbian romance because you, it's not represented in the mainstream so I think that people come to my come to um, sapphic romance and they really want to see sex on the page and I don't want to just disappoint people. Happily I don't think it's gratuitous in any way shape or form actually I think it's quite warm and it's nice to read so I'm quite happy with it and I'm a fan. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, that's really nice to hear, actually, because, yeah, I, I, when I say I want to see Sex on the Page, I don't want to see anatomic lessons or, you know, or uh, gratuitous sort of languages. Yeah. But it's, if you base it all on emotion and have 
and have it flow well, I think it can work. Because I, I, I once heard someone say that sex scenes in um, romance novels are like action scenes in sort of thrillers and things like that, or, you know, adventure novels. And I think that's true. So, yeah. Before we get on to learn a little bit more about you, I just want to say that my favourite line in the entire book was, this was no rushed kiss. This was a warm, slow drink of a kiss. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I liked it so much I had to write it down. Oh, cool. Oh, do you know what? I've, you know, I forgot I wrote that. That's a good line. <laughs> <laughs> well, credit for words forgotten. <laughs> but we do want to know you a little better as well. So if you could be any character in any book of all time, who would you be? Um, well, I'm very much a romance fan. Uh, I write it and I read it. So um, I'm going to have to go uh, my favourite sapphic romance of all time, uh, which is a book called And Playing the Role of Herself by an author called K.E. Lane. Um, now, this is really, it's hugely well known in um, the sapphic and lesbian romance world, but probably not so well known outside of that. And the author, strangely, wrote this book. It was a fan fiction novel that got turned into a novel. She's never written anything since because she was too scared that she could never be able to top it, which I think oh. is a crying shame because it's just it's a it's a brilliant uh, book. And it was written in I think it was written like 10 years ago. And I've yet to read um, a book that's better. So she has a romance in it between uh, Robin, who's an act, Hollywood actor, and Cade, who's a Hollywood actor, too, but used to be a model. So I'm going to be Cade because um, she's tall and gorgeous. And, um, you know, I am five foot two and a half on a good day. So that would be great. And, uh, you know, to have their life and uh, live in Hollywood and, and be a be an actor would be quite cool. Uh, and, and she gets with a hot actor. The problem, you know, the problem with being lead, as I've said in a book, is that you know you're going to have to go through a lot of stuff <laughs> to get to the end of the story. So I'm not looking forward to being beaten up and, and having my heart broken, but... Um, <laughs> I would it would allow me to score a hot lead and it's make believe so I think my wife will allow. <laughs> yes, okay. So you won't get into trouble for that one then. <laughs> no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of fantasy going on in your head is there as long as it's exactly. not exactly. reality. No. Yeah. So I mean so in terms of that, Claire, I mean obviously you've written a, a lot of books. What have you got planned for the future? Well, more books really. Uh I've got um so as I said earlier with London Calling that was the first book in my London romance series that came out in 2014 which is crazy to me so I'm planning to write the very last book of the London series next year so that will be exciting to do but also a little bit bittersweet but you know people find the London romance series all the time um, and always write to me saying that they love it so it, so it, it, it will live on but I'm also writing a foot, women's football book uh, soccer to our US chums inspired by the lionesses triumph in the summer i'm sort of second draft and it's doing me doing me head in at the moment but i've got ninety thousand words it's far too many that's quite a lot yeah my books are normally 70 to 75 so i've really overwritten on this one so i need to cut it and get it into shape but i'm looking forward to that one coming out and i didn't really even though i'm a huge football fan i didn't realize that it's a women's world cup next year i kind of knew but i forgot so yeah. it's going to be timely to have that one out um, when the Women's World comes out. So that'll be cool. And yeah, just more more books and more translations because I've got books in German, Portuguese and Italian and I'm, I've got more coming out um, in those countries as well. And to carry on with my podcast, which I do with my fellow Sapphic romance, T.B. Markinson, 
And that podcast is called Lesbians Who Write. And if you're listening to this, I assume you're a podcast fan. So if you want to know about the lives of a full-time self-published author and what the process is and um, all about what we're doing, um, yeah, look us up on any podcast app. So it goes without saying that I will be reading more of your books now. Hurrah. If I can invest in your characters that heavily, then I obviously need to read more of them. <laughs> so where can I and our loyal listeners, obviously, find out more about you online? Yeah, um, that's at my website, which is www.clairelyden.co.uk. That's C-L-A-R-E-L-Y-D-O-N. Nearly forgot I'd spell my own name then. No I in it. There's a shop on my website where you can buy direct, and I'm on all the normal platforms, Amazon, Kobo, Apple Books, Google, Barnes & Noble. My audiobooks are available to stream far and wide, and translations as well. So, yeah, I'm hoping to have two or three more books out next year. Are you planning on having all of your books with an audio version? Probably not absolutely all of them, but I've got, I think I've got 18 out now. The only one that maybe I need to get out is All I Want for Christmas. Going to get The Christmas Catch, my my very latest one out in audio. I was hoping to do it this year, but then my narrator lost her voice. I I have a curse with narrators. Uh, I think this is the third one that's lost her voice. So I'm guessing a complex about hiring narrators. (laughs) No no narrator wants to um, work with me anymore. (laughs) Jinx them. You're jinxing them like Ali and Morgan jinx vehicles. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I do love listening to audiobooks. All my standalones that come out, yes, they will. And actually all the London series as well. Oh, talking of the London series, are they all full-length novels? They are. They're all um, standalone romances, but they have all the characters from the series sort of in the background, flitting in and out of occasional scenes. And obviously in the last one that I'm writing next year, there'll be some kind of big party that brings everyone back together. I'm curious as to what you talked about the translation, Claire. So, so how how do you go about getting your books translated into other languages? Is is this something that you write in that language, or do you does somebody else do it for you? Oh God, no, 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 no. It's a bit like it's a bit like audiobooks because you see, I, I think I've been told quite a lot that I've got a good voice for radio, um, and a lot of people tell me I should do my own audiobooks, but I don't. I don't agree with them. It's a real skill doing an audiobook, and it takes so much time and effort and patience that I'd rather pay someone to do it. And similarly, so, you know, that is something I could do. Translations, I'm, ter- I'm terrible. I don't speak any languages apart from English. So, um, no, I've, I've actually teamed up with publishers. I've got a publisher in Germany and I've got a publisher in um, Brazil doing my Portuguese ones. I actually did my own um, Italian. So I, I hired a translator um, and works with her in Italian and that's gone pretty well so I've only got one out there so I'm hoping to get some more out next year but yeah it's exciting actually because I think the US and the UK are the biggest digital markets because you know probably about 85% of 80, 80% maybe of my book sales are, are ebooks so it, you've got to look at the digital markets and uh, US and UK are mature but there's loads of different ones now coming Germany is the next one Brazil, Italy, France. So it's exciting times uh, looking ahead. And it's it's always really exciting holding a book, but it's always a bit strange because obviously I can't read it. So I have no idea. <laughs> I hold it in my hand and I'm like, yay, but I can't read a word of it. But it's lovely to think that I can get my work out to all these different uh, places all around the world. Yeah, I was, I was just interested in, you know, in how it, how it worked and how it went about. It's been an absolute pleasure today, Claire, talking to you. Absolutely. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks ever so much for agreeing to, to come and join us. 
and for sort of opening up about you and about the books as well. No, well, thank you so much for, for inviting me. It's been lovely. Thank you, Claire. OK, take care. I thought that was a brilliant interview with Claire. We've got to know her and got to know a little bit more about how she writes and tried not to give away too many plot points about the book. But one thing I would say is I would recommend it. Anybody that's not read LGBT fiction before, give Claire a go and give that book a go because I think that you might well. I changed my mind completely about lesbian fiction reading that. So we shall see. It was funny and fluffy, a little bit heartwarming, did make me growl here and there, particularly Ali refusing to see the obvious, although it turns out it was a good touch really for the book because it, it kept the drama going. Anyway, speaking of books, don't we have got something to say about one of our books? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so right now, at this moment in time, you can pop along to Amazon and you can buy either the Kindle edition of the Flash Fiction Anthology, Volume 2, I might add. So proud of everybody. But you can also buy it in paperback and in hardback for those that like the feel of a good book in their hands rather than reading it digitally. I prefer books. Do you? I've got a Kindle. For me, or for anybody that's got a Kindle, it's, and especially if you've, you've got Kindle Unlimited, it's a cheap way of being able to read loads and loads and loads of books. And there's nothing like actually feeling a paper book in your hand, something that you're touching, something that you're tangible. So that's my little plug. I would go along and buy it. Forget the Kindle edition. Go along and, and buy the anthology. Now, in the anthology, it's works of all the flash fiction that everybody's written for the podcast, which brings us nicely on to our next writing prompt for our next flash fiction it does, indeed. Nicely done. Get you, old professional. I don't like you. <laughs> One can try. So you will find the, because the first writing prompt is a set of photos from when I was on holiday recently. Flowers strewn across the beach, a rock that looked like it had grown around a ring that had been thrown on the beach, and it conjured up all kinds of stories in my mind. None of them happy, I have to say. <laughs> but we have posted these images on Facebook, on Twitter, and what's the other one? On Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> so you will find the images for this prompt. The deadline, though, is the 8th of December. So you've only got a couple of days now, yeah. Get your uh, entries in. And where are they sending them to, Daisy? That's the most important thing. So as we say then, the deadline is the 8th and it's at noon. So you have got the morning still to get those sent across to us. And our email address to send them to is bearbookspod1 at gmail.com. Brilliant. Wicked. And when will we be able to listen to those stories? Two weeks today. This podcast comes out fortnightly on a Wednesday. Then you'll be able to listen to the next one on the 21st. That's wicked. Right. So... Until the 21st of December, which is, is it four sleeps to Santa? Oh, God, have you done all your Christmas shopping? Um, no. No? No. I've not been out of the house for three years. Well, am I going to do Christmas shopping? Just don't visit anybody. Then you don't need to buy anybody anything. I'm going to stay in for another three years. It suits me fine. <laughs> you grumpy old bugger. I am, yeah. 
So anyway, I hope everybody else has done their Christmas shopping. And what about you? Have you done yours? Um, I've done some of it. I've I've bought presents for the little people. What have you bought me? And well, I'm a little person. I'm only five foot four. Whatever. I've bought you what you asked for. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see everybody two weeks time. Until then, take care of each other. You take care. for listening you can follow us on beer books and beer books pod one on social media we'd love it if you could share the podcast with your friends and thanks so much to everyone that's left us a review if you're listening today and you haven't given us a review yet please do it helps other people discover us and their new favorite indie authors we'll be back soon with more reviews and more flash fiction see you next time (laughs) 